this is something we can all put our masks up over our noses. Amen. Amen. Keep each other safe during this pandemic season. Amen. Amen. There's the word from the Lord. If you would turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 26. And as is our custom here at the Mount, if you would stand for the reading of God's word. Amen. Amen. Those who are physically able to stand for God's word. Realize the reading. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affliction, with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. It is the Word of God. I want to highlight, place in bold print, italicize, if you will, that 24th verse. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lust. Amen. I am not ignorant of the fact that today is Halloween. And I got to be honest with you, I don't care one iota about Halloween. I just want to be transparent. As a matter of fact, um, they are so into making sure that the costumes are in school, but yet still they have taken prayer out of the school. I'm not ignorant of the fact that the truth of this matter is that you really can't take prayer out of school. Because every moment that I have to step into school, the first thing I should start doing is praying because they can't take prayer out of school. So I'm not ignorant that today is Halloween. I'm not ignorant of the fact that folks have gone on hayrides and gone to haunted houses and gone to see spooky things and that they've been worried about these different spirits. I can't turn on Amazon without seeing them say, Turn to this channel of fear if you dare. Everything has been spooked out. There's a haunting everywhere. Because today's Halloween, I figure I might as well just go in and preach. My sermon title for today is Haunted by the Flesh. Because there is a haunting that, that, that we ought to be able to get rid of. There's that haunting of the flesh. Haunting of the flesh. In order not to be haunted by the flesh, you have to masterfully maximize the massive me in the flesh 
to maximize the messianic mindset that has been given to you by Christ through his spirit. I know that's a mouthful. In order not to be haunted by the flesh, you have to masterfully maximize the or minimize the massive me in the flesh in order to maximize the messianic mindset that has been given to you by Christ through his spirit. You cannot have effective ministries by being haunted by the maximizing manifestations of the contrary flesh. You cannot maximize ministries with the works of adultery, backbiting, bickering, murdering, arrogance. You cannot maximize ministries while laboring in fornication. Likewise, you cannot be freed from the haunting of the flesh until you have been in combat fighting with the spirit against the flesh. For it is reprehensible to believe that your mindset can be ministry if your character is spiritually dysfunctional. And I wish I had somebody up in here to help me to preach this. Your mindset cannot become ministry if in your walk you have become deceptive. This, this text, this epistle is not for the faint of heart. This epistle is not for folk who retreat when things don't go their way. This epistle is not for folks who go AWOL when the desires of the flesh ambushes them. No, this text is for folks who fight, kick, scratch, punch, and remain steadfast, unmovable, when the spirit is telling you no. But your body, your body is telling you yes. I couldn't help it. I had to. Go ahead. This, this text, though, is not for our Kelly followers. This text is for those of us who see something wrong with a little bump. I didn't say it on Facebook. I didn't say it. They said it. I, I didn't say it. This text, this text is for folks who know and understand that there is a battle, and the battleground is humanity's heart, mind, and soul. This text is for those who declare, I got joy in my soul. God is in control. I got Satan on my trail, but I'm singing all as well. He's attacking every day, but I'm watching while I pray. No matter the attack, I won't, I won't turn back because this means war. This means war. He's Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. He's Yahweh Jireh, the Lord is my provider. He's Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is my peace. He's Yahweh Shema, the Lord is there. And he's there in the midst of a combative fight against the haunting flesh. He's there, he's there. As we push this text, we push this text, you will soon come to the conclusion that there was a fight, there was a war at the church of Galatia. And Paul, being led by the Spirit, was trying to help stop the, 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 the pejoration of the flesh. In other words, he was concerned that the teachings and the influences of the 
such as circumcision, such as the kosher laws, etc., were worsening. They were getting worse, and the incubation of such teachings had now been evidenced by Albert Simons. So they were in a battle because they were more worried about Judaism than they were at really loving, honoring, and worshiping God. They were in a battle. They were in a battle because they were haunted by the flesh. And here's what was going on in the haunted house of the Galatians. Can I just go ahead and teach for just a moment? Pride was openly opposing humility at the haunted house of, Galatia, of the Galatians. Conceit, haughtiness, and egotism, and superciliousness had begun a frontal assault on unpretentiousness and modesty and meekness and humility. The haunted house of fleshly terror was real. Paul was unshaken and unafraid. And unlike Christians today, Paul never backed down, but with the sword of the Spirit and the helmet of salvation, Paul fearlessly engaged in the battle of the liberty of people of the kingdom of Christ over the manacles of the captivity of the flesh. Paul says, I'm tired of folks being caught up in the flesh. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but I wish I had some folks who could identify with Paul. I wish I had some folks who know what it's like to fight against the flesh. I wish I had some folks who don't curse as much as you used to. I, I wish I had some folks who don't drink as much. I wish I was talking to some folks who know what it's like to have to stand flat-footed and declare to the unadulterated word, word, declare the unadulterated word of God that despite what the world says and despite being haunted by the flesh, still make the declaration that fornication is still wrong. They will not say amen and look at you like you're faithful and faithful. Despite what the world says, shooting unarmed black men is still wrong. Despite what the world says, the idea of an oppressive, condescending, chauvinistic, xenophobic ex-president seeking to be a candidate for the president of the United States is still wrong. It doesn't matter what the world says, cross-dressing is still wrong. And despite what SCOTUS says, same-sex marriage is still wrong. Paul was in a battle between the flesh and the spirit, and he fought courageously. And I wish, I wish I had three or four people who are willing, despite what folks say, to hold on to your Christian virtues, values, and principles. I wish I had six people, I'll make seven, that know that the psalmist is right. The Lord is my life and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, have a power to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fail. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war shall rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. And, and, and can, I, can I just add one thing in with seeking after? Can I just add this into the text? That I will seek after the things that haunt the flesh. 
adultery. I, I won't seek after it fornication. I won't seek after it uncleanliness. I won't seek after the, 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 the viciousness. I won't seek after idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murder, drunkenness, or, or violence. But one thing I have desired of the Lord, that I may dwell in his house. Well, I, I might mess up, but if I and mess up. I'm going to dust myself up and keep on walking and keep on seeking after the Lord. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. Some of us in the past have dwelt in the gutter. Some of us in the past have dwelt in arrogance, fornication, adultery, hate, hatred, arrogance. But when we confess our faults to Jesus, yeah, yeah I, I like what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you confess your faults, he is faithful and just to forgive you and then cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do I have any folks that's been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, Jesus has given us the liberty from these things. He has emancipated us from these things. It, it doesn't mean that we don't struggle with them. It means that he emancipated us with them. That's why Paul says, your flesh. In other words, crucifixion is the worst kind of, of public punishment. But, but crucifixion teaches us how to marry our relationship with Christ. So that when I struggle not to do what I want to do, I can think what a struggle it was for Christ. Hanging on a cruel cross with blood dripping down from his head and a wound inside. When I struggle not to tell you all, I can be reminded that Jesus looked up at the Father and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Paul in our text today said, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections, with the affections and lusts. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So if you understand the full historical backdrop of this epistle, the epistle, epistle to the Galatians, you will understand that Paul was trying to tell the Galatians that in order to operate in the fruit of the Spirit, that this means war. Let, let me just give you some background, if you will. According to the South Galatian theory, Paul is writing to those who live in the province of Galatia. Paul is not writing, as some believe, as some believe to ethnic Galatians who are part of the three Celtic tribes akin to the Gauls, who in the third century before Christ invaded and occupied the northern Galatia during the time of Paul, as the North Galatians theory suggests. No, I believe Paul is writing to the racially mixed audience of Roman province of Galatia, and that Paul was using the term Galatians to cover them all. That is, everyone in the province of Galatia. You, you know the Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, not that there were Protestants and Catholics at that time, but you get the point. If you lived there, Paul would have been talking to you also. He was talking to us all. Understand this. Those who received Paul's letter in Galatia are not limited to just those who are akin to the Gauls. He is writing 
to everyone who lives in that province like he did at Corinth and at Rome. It is good news to come to the understanding that, that this is an inclusive letter because it winds its way through the corridors of time and then speaks to us. It speaks to our proclivities. It speaks to our natural inclinations. It speaks, but it also speaks to the new creation which has been wrought in us by the filling of the Holy Spirit that Jesus drunk off after his ascension. Chapter 1, one verses 3 through 5, Paul says, Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Stay with me because I'm going somewhere. That he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom he be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul, in this salutation, gives truth that evinces the root of our liberty. Our liberty, our freedom, our emancipation has come from the Lord Jesus Christ and our faith in him who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil of this world. If you are seeking freedom from the haunting of the flesh, you need to look to the one who will deliver us from this present evil world. If you are seeking joy, if you are seeking peace, if you are seeking love, you need to look to the one who gives us joy, he gives us peace, he gives us love. You need to look with faith towards Jesus Christ. Because only faith in Jesus Christ can aid us to walk in the Spirit. Watch the text, watch the text. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, here it is, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Can I get a witness? Somebody knows that Jesus knows how to maximize our walk in the spirit. You can't do it on your own. The only way you can walk in the spirit is Christ dispenses the spirit of the Holy Ghost upon you. I'm not bad enough, big enough, or strong enough to walk by, on my own in God's spirit. I need somebody. That's why the songwriter said, I, I want Jesus to walk with me. I, I need Jesus to talk with me all along this Christian journey. I need him to walk with me. See, Jesus knows how to walk with you. you well, that's the text. The Bible gives us great illustrations about Jesus walking with folks. Jesus was walking with the disciples, saw over 5,000 homely folks. Jesus made them lie down in green pastures, took the lunch of a lad, took five barley loaves of bread and he anointed it and then he fed the multitude. Surely the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Somebody knows what it's like to look to the Lord in faith. Can I testify? I've had his time next to no money in the bank. I'm a witness that Jesus can maximize money that you don't even have because the life bill was paid. The mortgage was paid. Not because of flesh, but because of faith and favor. And I said it in Christ Jesus. He, he will pay your bill. He will work it out for you. 
understand this text. Please understand the text. Please understand the Judaizers were pushing for faith to be put in themselves because they themselves were haunted by the flesh. Yeah, yeah, they, they wanted to be in the front pew. They wanted to be the ones to sing the solos, and if they can't sing the solo, then they ain't going to show up for church. They wanted to be in church when the person they like is preaching, and if somebody was preaching that they don't like, they won't show up in church. The Judaizers were pushing for faith to be put in themselves because they were haunted by the flesh. You cannot have a walk in the spirit, or even a walk, you cannot have a, a spirit that walks with you unless you are walking in the spirit. So if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he will enable you to walk in the spirit. But when you want what you want, you're just walking by yourself. Being haunted by the flesh. And it's amazing that folks that are haunted by the flesh wanted their way whenever they didn't wake themselves up in the morning. They, they didn't keep their heart beating. They, they didn't heal their self. They didn't put food on their own table. And the problem Paul noticed with the Galatians is that they were placing faith in themselves. They were haunted by their own flesh because they were trying to earn their own salvation because they had difficulty with free grace. And that's why some people in the church got a problem with people coming in here smelling like marijuana. Free grace means that it don't depend upon you. And, and I hope they come in smelling like it, but then they leave not smelling like it no more. But grace is still free. Paul says, Paul says in essence, that the Jews don't keep the law themselves, but want you to become circumcised so that they might boast, that they might glory in the flesh. They're the ones that want, want every officer in the church to be as calm as a cucumber, but yet they'll curse you out quicker than you can blink an eye. They will not say amen. They will look at you like you are crazy. So the Jews have, have established their prerogative. And you know what prerogative. Prerogative is the ideology that your privilege is a result of your ethnic identity and qualify themselves for the outskirts of grace. How can you qualify yourself outside of grace? The law leaves one in bondage, but grace leaves one free. And I, I stopped by to tell y'all this morning that, that I, need, I need grace. I, I need grace. I don't always say what I should say. I don't always do what I should do. But, but I need, I, I know I'm in here by myself, but I, I need grace. Grace says that I've been justified by the works of Christ. That's why we can't judge folks who walk up in here because you don't know if Christ justifies them. And if Christ is sovereign and can do whatever he wants to do when he wants to, then you can't determine whether or not they've been justified by Christ. I, I, need, I need grace. I, I, I didn't do nothing to earn it. I didn't do a doggone thing. I, I didn't do it. Jesus did it. As a matter of fact, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Grace, grace, 
great is what God gives me that I don't deserve. And I wish I had about three or four people, I'll make the fifth person, that will shout on the fact that God gave me great even when I didn't deserve it. He gave me great when he walked me up, woke me up this morning. He gave me great for keeping me safe from being unseen, dangerous, unseen. He gave me great. Great, 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 great. Don't, don't hate, don't hate, though, because grace ain't nothing but undeserved favor. That means you ain't deserving either because Paul didn't say, y'all have sinned. Paul said, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Grace, grace, God's unmerited favor, his unmerited love. He loved me when I was in the gutter. He loved me when I was in the club. He loved me when I was at the speakeasy. He loved me and gave me grace. He loved me when I was sleeping around. Y'all know this is a, a, a sermonic portion. Don't think that I did all these things. But he loved me when I didn't have a job. He loved me when I couldn't see a future. God gave me grace and somebody ought to shower this grace. For my grace, are you saying true things, not a word, that any man should boast. Grace! Grace, 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 grace. God's grace means that God deals with us according to his son's character rather than our own merit. I gotta say that one more time. God's grace only says that God deals with us according to his son's character and not according to our marriage. Uh, grace, grace, grace. But, but, but you can't talk about grace and not talk about his mercy. You can't, can't talk about his grace and not talk about his mercy. And, and, and mercy suits my case. Mercy is when God doesn't give you what you do deserve. I, I've been in some places where I shouldn't have been. God, I need mercy. I'm said some things that I shouldn't have said. God, I need mercy. I, in this battle between the flesh and the spirit, and the flesh keeps haunting me, God, I need your mercy. Not faithful enough to maximize your ministries. God, I need your mercy. God, sometimes I struggle to walk in the spirit. God, I need mercy so I can have a Galatians 6, 14 mindset. But God forbid that I should glory the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. God, give me mercy so that I can stop glorying, so that I can stop boasting in myself and I can start boasting on the cross. At the cross. At the cross. Where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. Had I been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? You want me to walk? If you want to walk in the Spirit and stop being haunted by the flesh, yes, you have to fight. Yes, you have to have faith. But finally, you must also have freedom. Can, can I go old school and tell you how we got our freedom? G Jesus knows something about fighting. He knows something about faith, and he knows something about freedom. Bishop Owen said this, Mike Tyson was a good fighter, but Jesus is true, is the true and only champion. It doesn't take 15 rounds to do it, because Jesus knocked the devil out in four rounds. The first round, 
never met Jesus in the dead man's daughter's room. And to show you that Jesus didn't need any help, he put everybody out of the room. Then he spoke to the dead girl and said, tell us a kuma, which means young woman, get up from there. The woman got up and Jesus gave her back to her father. But I dare you to let me start at the grave, the devil says, and at the grave, I know I'll beat you, Jesus. You can know the story of how Jesus stopped the funeral procession, opened the casket up, and told the boy, tell us a kuma, meaning get up from there, boy, and go, go back to your mama. The devil said, let me get one more in the grave. If I could just get one person in the grave, I dare you to let me get one in the grave, Jesus, and I'll win this battle. Jesus hung around Capernaum four extra days to give Lazarus a chance to die. And he had heard that Lazarus was sick, but he stayed there long enough to let Lazarus die. Late that fourth morning, Jesus walked in the room, and one of the sisters told him, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Jesus looked at her and said, I'm glad I wasn't here, but you'll see him again in the resurrection. Woman got mad at Jesus and said, I know I'm going to see him in the resurrection. Jesus straightened up his shoulders and said, Gal, take a good look at me, because I am the resurrection. You do know the story of how Jesus went to the tomb. The devil is now trying to do the rope and dope. He's trying to cover up, and now Jesus is moving in on him. One writer said, the wind from his fist rolled the stone away. And Jesus called the dead man and said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus walked up 21 steps. Jesus says, I expect you better lose him and let him go. The devil said, that's just the third round, Jesus, that you won. But I dare you to let me get my hands on you. And if you let me get my hands on you, Jesus, I'll win this battle. Satan asked Jesus, where is it going to be? Is it going to be in Atlantic City? Jesus said, no. Is it going to be in Los Angeles? Jesus said, no. Is it going to be in Philadelphia? Jesus said, no. Is it going to be in the Tyler section of Philadelphia? Jesus said, no. Where is it going to be? Jesus said, it's going to be on a hill called Calvary. I'll meet you right on Calvary. There the devil caused his hands to be nailed, his feet to be nailed, and his side to be pierced. They took him down from the cross, placed him in the tomb, and the devil was flexing his muscles. I, I just hate death. I, I hate death because death is so braggadocious. It, it haunts the flesh. Death is so egocentric. The devil flexes his muscles. He thinks he owns the world now. I don't like death because death took my father. Do I have a witness? I don't like death because death keeps trying to sneak up on you. I don't, I don't like death because death has taken two of my brother's children. I just hate death because he claims that he's never made a mistake. It took Adam and Eve. It took Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. It took Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I just don't like death because it claims it's never made a mistake. But I forgot to tell you that it made just one mistake. It made just one mistake. It made just one mistake when it put its bony hands on Jesus. When death took Jesus, it made his mistake because Jesus went down into the grave. Before Jesus died, before Jesus died, death had an entrance but no exit. And now that Jesus died, death has an exit but no entrance for the believers. And because Jesus died, we now die only to live. Paul says, so when this corruptible shall have been on incorruption, when this mortal shall have been on immortality, then shall be brought to say that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death!
even during these haunting days where we see the commercialism of sexism and racism and hatred, God enables us still to walk in the flesh. Even when this culture haunts us and haunts our flesh with the temptations of life, we're able to overcome and walk in the spirit. Because Jesus says, I must go back to my Father so that I can send the Holy Spirit who will not dwell outside of you, but inside of you. And give us a little bit of strength so that we can fight this battle and stay on the journey and see what the end is going to be. As we stand on our feet in this, the haunting days of this culture that has haunted us with temptations and the superfluities of life, Jesus has given us a way out. The doors of the church are open. You can come as a candidate for baptism. You can come in your own Christian experience. Or you can come in restoration. But the important thing is that you come. Oh,